You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts, Ben Worney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Worney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I've been holed up all week. I have no idea what you've been up to. What's going on in your life? Magic, 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 and more magic. Must be nice. It it is nice. Well, I'm also like gainfully unemployed this week and next week, so it's also nice to be making no money. But uh, yeah, I've been drafting a lot. I spent the most of the weekend doing some casual commentary of the Pro Tour limited content and and drafting the day away. So uh, I've had a good life. Yeah, that was super awesome. I was able to stop by your uh, your channel on Friday for my lunch for about twenty minutes, and you were killing it. It was really Thanks, it was really man. good. Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, I, I tough to uh, to do it in a sort of clean way and not breach the Twitch terms of service, but I'm really trying to get some some coverage reps in and do it on the fly, and, and that was all really really helpful and really hard to do by yourself. I was aided by a, a fellow Twitch streamer and Pittsburgher, uh, Matt Stunlock for the win on Twitch, and he and I did some joint coverage together yesterday as well, and that was fun. So uh, yeah, I, I had a really good week and weekend. How about you? Yeah, we uh, had the state finals this weekend for the marching band, so that's why I was busy all week. Um, we went up to Indianapolis on Friday, stayed overnight, and competed on Saturday. We ended up in fourth place in the state in our class, which is pretty awesome. That's great. We were expecting to be a little higher than that, but yet like it's still really good. I mean, it's like this weird thing. Marching band's such a, I don't know, it's such a subjective thing. Like, it's six judges, and it could be totally different depending on which six, six people. There's a lot of randomness. We were, like, really close. We were, like, 0.02 points away from third, which is, like, I don't know, in magic Whoa. terms, like, having your opponent dead and then top-decking unfriendly fire to kill you with exaxes or something. I mean, it was... <laughs> so it's pretty tilting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. super close. Uh, but, yeah, good experience overall. Season is done, most importantly, which means back to drafting for me. Oh, snap. Just in time... For the trophy race, man, where, where where are you at? Did you get to do any magic this week? I, I played, I went nine days without playing Magic the Gathering, which has got to be like a record since I started streaming back in April. Um, I was, oh I was feeling God. it. So I, I did a draft today and I 3-0'd. So that was nice. Nice you welcome back. You did a draft and you 3-0'd? I did a draft you and I 3-0'd. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, so I am up to 23 trophies, 67 drafts, 138 and 60. For a 69.7 win rate, which I'm going to round up to 70%. How about you? I am on a mini heater. Uh, I'm up to 39 trophies uh, in 137 drafts, so trophying a little less than one in four times. Um, I am at 262 to 136 for my record and a 66% win rate. So slowly but surely clawing my way back to that two-thirds win percentage that I am accustomed to, to having. Yeah, you sent me a text message that you were like, what, 26 and 4, 23 and 4 or something? Unreal. 26 and 4 in the last 10 drafts. So like yeah. six six trophies and four two ones. That's insane. Just yeah. Insane. I'm, and they're all the decks are different. Like I'm, I feel like I'm really breaking out of perhaps the, the beard mentality and finding some other fun things to do. Because I was sort of feeling in a bit of a beard rut for a while that we may be able to talk about at the end of today's episode. But uh, I, I've just been finding that this format has more and more to offer the more and I, more I, I dig into it. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear about that. Yeah. So we've got what I think is, is going to certainly become one of my favorite episodes we get to do, which is the Pro Tour Ixalan Draft Viewer episode, where we get Absolutely. to dive in and check in on how the pros are drafting. And this is especially interesting because unlike previous Pro Tours, this one is coming about a month, a little over a month after the format is fresh. 
So people have really sort of settled in, gotten a chance to get their hands nice and dirty in what Ixalan has to offer in Limited, and we get to see the top players in the world drafted out over two days. So we're going to dive into a handful of these, go a few picks deep, talk about it, see what we would have done differently, and we're going to start off with, with what began the day on Friday, which was Brad Nelson's draft viewer at the Pro Tour day one. So you ready to, to strap in for a full episode of Roundtable Discussions, Ben? I am. I need my magic fix. I've been, I've been away too long. <laughs> That's right. All right, well, have a seat, sir. And uh, you, Brad Nelson, are going to open up a pack that includes the following cards. Sky March Blood Letter, that is two and a black for a 2-2 flying vampire, that when it enters the battlefield, it drains your opponent for one. Pious Interdiction, three and a white for an enchantment, that says enchanted creature cannot attack or block, and when it enters the battlefield, you gain two life. Maverin Fine, Dusk Apostle, that's two and a white for the 2-2 vampire, that when, it says whenever a vampire, a non-token vampire you control attacks, uh, you put a 1-1 vampire token with lifelink into play. Uh, not one token for each creature, but just one token for the attack step. Uh, Savage Stomp, two and a green for a sorcery that has put a plus one plus one counter on a creature you control and it fights target creature you don't control, but if it's a dinosaur that you're targeting on your side, it costs two less. And Sailor of Means, two and a blue for the one for human pirate that when it enters the battlefield, you get a treasure. Yeah, he's got a pretty stacked pack here. Yeah, for sure. A lot of good options to choose from. I think the two that would rise to the top for me, I think I like Maverin Fine over Pious Interdiction as as the two white cards. Mm -hmm. And then I think Savage Savage Stomp is also insanely good. I'm trying to avoid green if if possible, at least where I'm at in the format right now. But although theoretically the pros should have practiced and realized that also. So maybe there's some some mentality there that you want to stake savage stomp because you're assuming other people are going to be trying to avoid green also mm-hmm. but i think maybe that just might be next leveling yourself i think i'd be on maverin fine here uh as yeah the, as the first pick yeah i don't think do you think they're like let's say it was lightning strike would you take lightning or or charging monstrosaur would you take monstrosaur over maverin fine i would yeah yeah so it's not like maverin fine is heads and shoulders above all the uncommons and commons how about this would you take pirates cutlass here if it was in the pack yeah, I think so. I would too. Um, so it's not a bomb by any stretch, but it is a very powerful card, and it's solid in any white deck. Like, you don't need a lot of other vampires. You would even play it if you had no other vampires. Like, if it's a 3-mana 2-2 that says when it attacks, you get a 1-1 lifelinker. That's still pretty good. Yeah, it by no means locks you into vampires. It's just a, a good, powerful card. It's just a good, powerful white card, and I think I would take that over Savage Thump as well, and Brad Nelson agrees and slams that as his first pick on the Pro Tour. Pretty pretty good start there. There's not a lot of good rares you can open in this format, and he does end up grabbing one. Um, so going on to the, the next pick, he's got Deathless Ancient. That's four black black for the 4-4 four, four flying vampire that if you tap four vampires you control, you or three vampires you control, you can return it from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, Duskborn Sky Marcher, that's one white mana for the 1-1 one, one flying vamp that can pay one and a white one white and tap it to give target vamp attacking vampire plus one plus one until end of turn uh, shaper apprentice one and a blue for the two one merfolk that gets flying if you control another merfolk herald of secret streams uh, you'll be seeing this in a couple of our drafts today uh, that's going to be three and a blue for a two three merfolk that has uh, the text that all the creatures you control with plus plus one counters on them are unblockable and Stormfleet Pyromancer, four and a red for the three-two human pirate that has raid, deal two damage to target creature or player when it comes into play. 
Yeah, some interesting options here again. Uh, he's got a lot of different avenues he could go down. Uh, the Dustborn Sky Marcher immediately leaps out uh, as pairing very well with Maverin Fine, but worth worth taking note uh, that there's a couple Merfolk cards here in Shaper Apprentice and Herald of Secret Streams, but I think Shaper Apprentice early certainly is is the stronger of those two cards. And then worth noting that there's a Deathless Ancient here also, so maybe maybe a slight, I mean, we're only in pick two here, a slight signal for vampires, but I think the clear pick, if you started off with Maverin Fine here, is a Dustborn Sky Marcher. I totally agree. I think it's it actually also gets my vote as just strongest card in the pack, period. Like, if this was what I was looking at, pack one, pick one, I think I would be on Sky Marcher as well. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Quick question. Where are you at with Herald of Secret Streams? Have you had a chance to play with that card? Uh, I have played with it. I've, <laughs> I've splashed it in a, a pretty spicy black-green explore deck. Ooh, I like that. And it was a little bit more win more in that deck. Probably mm-hmm. probably didn't need to be in the deck, but it was it was fun. Uh, it's a powerful card if you've got if you've got creatures with plus one plus one counters. Yeah, I feel like I'm never. I think th- there are a few cards like this in the format that I have lower than most of the Magic population seems to have it. So I ne- it's not that I don't think it's a good card by any stretch, but I really want to be taking it a lot later in the packs than it feels like I'm ever able to. So I don't get the chance to play with it that often but it doesn't seem like that powerful of a card to me no i I, i'm never picking this card early yeah so brad also uh decides to grab the duskborn sky marcher here and he's got a really nice solid white start here and a really nice start to a potential fantastic vampires deck um moving on to pack three he's got a headstrong brute two and a red for the three three pirate that can't block and if you control another pirate it has Menace, uh, Sailor of Means again. Tashana's Wayfinder is two and a green for a 2-2 Merfolk with Explore. Queen's Bay Soldier is one and a black for a 2-2 Vampire. And Sheltering Light, one white mana for an instant target creature you control gains Indestructible until end of turn, and you can scry one. Yeah, so a lot less clear of a pick here for Brad Nelson. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to try to stay vampires queen's bay soldiers the obvious pick mm-hmm. however i i think that's a considerable drop in power level from some of the other cards in the pack i think any of headstrong brute sailor of means tashana's wayfinder would all be defensible here uh over the queen's mm-hmm. bay soldier and i think myself uh i i've been having a lot of success with headstrong brute uh and like red aggressive decks and i think mm-hmm. i would be leaning towards taking headstrong brute here over over the queen's bay soldier yeah, he does have, I mean, it is three very distinct options of of fairly comparable power level in different colors with the Brute, the Sailor, and the Wayfinder. And I think personally, I would lean Sailor of Means just as I'm sort of feeling a preference towards grindier decks and blue base decks. And I also like blue-white a lot more than I, I may like. I certainly like don't like green-white that much. So I wouldn't be excited to grab the Wayfinder. And red-white is, is okay to me, but uh, I think I, I still prefer blue-white if I can help it. But all of those cards are not great with Mavernfine and Duskborn Skymarcher. Um, Brad decides to sort of hold the ground, state of vampires, and he grabs Queen's Bay Soldier. Now, what do you think about grabbing Sheltering Light here if he wants to just, like, stay white? Is there any consideration for that? Or do you think that taking Queen's Bay Soldier here and just being like, no, it's a vampire, I, I want to really carve that out for my seat i think if you're trying to cut vampires queen's bay soldiers the pick uh mm-hmm. i think sheltering light is has in my experience been pretty mediocre mm. um and there's no guarantee that he's going to continue seeing white here that's the weakest of those cards to me i think i value queen's bay soldier higher than sheltering light with maverin fine and dustborn sky marcher in my pile already that makes sense 
So I, I don't think there's really any consideration for that there for me. Yeah, he's got two great vampire cards already. Two good vampire payoff cards, I should say. And so even though Queen's, Queen's Bay Soldier only has flavor text, the, the creature type text is good enough to pair up with the Sky Marcher and the, and the vampire pseudo lord. All right, so he grabs that Queen's Bay Soldier. He moves on to pack four where he sees a Deep Root Warrior. That's one and a green for the 2-2 Merfolk that says when it becomes blocked, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Uh, Kumina's Speaker. This is the one green for the 1-1 one, one Merfolk that if you control another Merfolk or an island, it gets plus one, plus, plus one, plus one permanently. Uh, Skittering Heartstopper. Single black mana for a 1-2. I think it's an insect. Uh, and it has an activated ability of one black to give it death touch until end of turn. And Windstrider is four and a blue for the 3-3 Merfolk with Flash and Flying. Yeah, this pack is not good news for Brad Nelson here. So yeah. he's, he's said, I want to draft black-white vamps. And in his fourth pack here, where we're trying to read signals on what, what archetype is open, he's he's seeing a pretty clear signal that, that vamps is not open in his seat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he recognizes that and, you know, is picking accordingly here and i agree with his pick he went with deep root warrior and that's what i would be on as well i think kumena speaker in a merfolk deck is probably a better card but mm-hmm. no guarantee that he's going to be merfolk yet and deep root warrior is just going to be a very good aggressive two drop in any green deck um, yeah. and i think is the the best of these these four cards here yeah that, that makes total sense to me i think we, we have this now as our what do we land on the second best green common is deep root warrior and I, I think that that seems pretty pretty good to me again i'm not thrilled to be going green white beats i don't think i've ever actually i think i've drafted that deck all of once but you know you can do worse things than have some some powerful two drops and three drops without any synergy so he grabs the deep root warrior here and on pack five he sees pounce this is a one and a green for an instant target creature you control fights target creature you don't control sailor of means again uh raptor companion this is one and a white for the three one dinosaur and blight keeper it's a single black for the one one flying bat that has the eight mana activated ability, seven and a black, tap, sacrifice, drain your opponent for four. Yeah, more more bad news for mm-hmm. Brad. Uh, not not any black or white vampires here. Raptor Companion, not really where you want to be if you're trying to draft black-white vampires. Mm-hmm. Still a fine, aggressive white card, but I'm, I'm not in love with it here. I'm, I'm not sure what I would be doing if I were him at this point. I think I would be on Sailor of Means because Pounce isn't really doing much in his deck. Like if he's got like green white aggressive medium stuff maybe Mm. maybe he goes like green white dinosaurs and pounces okay in his deck but i I think i would be on sailor of means here yeah i don't know it's a a tough pick certainly no good options it is a really tough pick i mean he he could just sort of stay the course grab a companion or even a blight keeper if he wanted to go back to being black white but you know pounce can a, a one of pounce can be serviceable in a merfolk deck if he thinks merfolk is open and sailor of means can be serviceable in a merfolk deck if you just need a, a blocker and maybe you're trying to splash something and also like i said i think it can be fine if he wants to just go a, a sort of blue white skies deck and have sailor of means hold the ground I, I don't think either of those are embarrassing picks raptor companion just seems like not where i want to be taking that card as as a fifth pick and not really a card that's going to pair well with the two white cards I have, which are strong vampire synergies. So I'm a little surprised to see Brad pick up the Raptor Companion here and and pass up on the Sailor of Means and the Pounce, especially when he seemed to be pretty aware that things may be not going quite the vampire route when he grabbed the Deeper Warrior fourth, you know? Yeah, he hasn't seen any white since pick two that's been worthwhile at all. So it seems like he might be, I mean, forcing a little bit here. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, we'll see if it works out for him. He goes on to pick six. Uh, he sees a Storm Sculptor. That's three and a blue for the 3-2 Merfolk that has uh, the text that it can't be blocked. But when it enters the battlefield, you have to return a creature you control to your hand. Uh, Prosperous Pirates, that's four and a blue for the 3-4 Pirate. When it enters the battlefield, you get two treasure tokens. Blossom Dryad, two and a green for the 2-2 that can tap to untap a land you control. And QBS, Queen's Bay Soldier again, the one and a black 2-2. Yeah, more not great news. Uh, <laughs> so he's he's on the black white or bust plan here. It looks like if he's if he's going to pick up this Queen's Bay soldier, I think if I were drafting the seat, I think I'd be on prosperous pirates here, uh, leaving leaving me options to splash. Having just taken Sailor of Means myself, like I'd be looking to move into like a blue white controlish deck maybe and and try to splash some stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I want to I want to ask you a question. I want to put your your mind in the in the in the round table scenario here. So maybe it's not the pro tour because you know Brad Nelson is no stranger to drafting in in high stakes events. But let's say you made day two of of the GP you went to, Ben, and mm-hmm. so you're you're sitting down to draft day two of the GP. Really excited. You got got a shot for top eight. Let's say you seven two day one, and picks one through five you matched up exactly with Brad. This you you did exactly what Brad did. Yeah. Now in pick six, can you really grab Prosperous Pirates here? Do you have the gumption to go, I gotta I gotta abandon ship here and see if something else is gonna happen because the first five picks of my draft seem a little bit like a, a dumpster fire. I, I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I just don't think like, I don't think Queen's Bay Soldier is what leads to vampires being good like and i don't think forcing vampires works you've got to get the payoff cards and even then like i would rather have a queen's commission than a queen's bay soldier in my vampires decks because vampires are strong because you have the life linking tokens Mm -hmm. and the ways to enhance them not ways to enhance your queen's bay soldier nobody talks about oh i suited up my queen's bay soldier (laughs) with a pirate's cutlass and it won me the game you know what i mean like yeah that's not really like an archetype defining card will you play it in a good black white vampires deck absolutely but not with what the cards he's seen so far. So I, I do think I would have the gumption to abandon ship still uh, had I not taken Sailor Means the prior pick and and take Prosperous Pirates here. Yeah, and I think that that is what you probably have to do. It doesn't look like... The thing I also like about cards like Sailor of Means and Prosperous Pirates is that those sorts of blue uh, splashy cards or green splashy cards allow you to salvage drafts like this. Drafts where you don't have... A, perhaps a clear direction, but maybe you have picked up a few powerful cards, and they allow you to put some big butts on the battlefield to stop you from dying and allow you to splash around a little bit. And yeah, maybe your deck won't be the most consistent, but your power level can be there. It gives you outs to opening or being past powerful cards in the future of packs two and three that you can play. So I think not only do those cards perhaps signal that different colors are open at this point in the draft, but they also allow for more options down the road. Yeah, I, th- I certainly think if he were white, I mean, I think he had a really rough seat, but I think mm-hmm. if he were white, blue with a Sailor of Means and a Prosperous Pirates, I think he would have a lot more options in the future. Potentially two Sailor of Means if he had taken it third over the Queen's Bay Soldier. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he, he does opt for Queen's Bay Soldier here. Sixth, puts his blinders up, says, 
Vampires are bust. Uh, picks seven and eight, he grabs the Depths of Desire and a Ruthless Knave. Uh, the end of pack one is not pretty. Pack two, some things sort of work out for him. Uh, he, he wheels an anointed deacon. He grabs back-to-back Deathless Ancients, where I think he should have picked the anointed deacon first. He had a, a choice between a Deathless Ancient, an anointed deacon, and another Duskborn Sky Marcher. And he opted for the Deathless Ancient, which I think is is incorrect. And I think if he had a lot of experience with vampires, he would know that. So it just let, leads me to believe that maybe his role on the team was perhaps not drafting his face off if that was anyone's role on on, on his testing team <laughs> um but yeah and his draft deck ended up as a, a fairly weak version of a white black deck with not a lot of vampire payoffs or synergies unfortunately yeah all right you ready to take a seat we got our we got our next draft up here you want me to take you through this one i can't wait this is i'm excited for you to take me through this one <laughs> all right this is day one this is ken yukahiro uh this is his draft so pack one, pick one. He sees a pack with the following cards. Vanquish the weak. That's two and a black for the instant speed. Destroy target creature power three or less. Pirate's Cutlass, the artifact equipment, plus two, plus one to your creature. Everyone knows that by now. Mm-hmm. Shapers of Nature, one blue-green for the three-three Merfolk Uncommon that uh, can pay three and a green to put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. And two and a blue to remove a counter to draw a card. Thundering Spineback, that's the five green green for the five five dinosaur lord that gives your dinosaurs plus one plus one and can poop out three three dinosaurs for six mana. And Burning Sun's Avatar is the rare three triple red for the six six dinosaur that when it comes into play casts, uh, what is it, Searing Blood? Deal three damage to an opponent and three damage to target creature. Yeah, sure does. Sure does cast Searing Blood. Very nice. Searing Blood with Landfall, of course. Or no, it's a Searing Blaze with Landfall. Searing Blaze, thank you. Really powerful pack here um a, a lot of cards i think all of these cards save for thundering spineback i'm pretty happy to first pick I, and i think you really could go any direction i think these cards are a lot closer than perhaps people who haven't drafted this format a lot may think um but i still do really like burning sun's avatar i think it's a bomb the triple red is a bit of a a knock against it but i think the card is crazy powerful and there just aren't a lot of rares that you can say that about in this set. There's not a lot of cards you can say that about in this set. And uh, and I think I'd be pretty happy to open a card like that here and slam it into my pile. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think I would go Avatar, then Cutlass, then Shapers, then Vanquish. Interesting. You're on Shapers over Vanquish. Yeah, uh, I think I'm probably on Cutlass, Vanquish, Shapers, um, but all very close to for me. And I think the contents of the rest of the pack might dictate which I'm going to take Vanquish versus Shapers. You know, if there's uh, a bit more black cards, I might take Shapers. A bit more Merfolk cards might take Vanquish, that sort of thing. But but I, I am coming down on Burning Sun's Avatar first. Yep, Ken agrees. He slams Burning Sun's Avatar as well. So pack one, pick two, he sees Ruthless Knave. That's two and a black for the 3-2 Pirate that uh, has two and a black, sacrifice a creature, make two treasure tokens, and then you can sacrifice three treasures at instant speed to draw yourself a card. Pious Interdiction, three and a white for the Enchant Creature. Enchanted Creature can't attack or block. You gain two life when it enters the battlefield. Unfriendly Fire, four and a red for the instant speed, deal four damage to target creature or player. And Arranging Raptors, two and a green for the two, three Dinosaur uh, that has the Enraged Trigger of when it takes damage, you search your library for a basic land card and put it onto the battlefield, tapped. I want to take a second here to talk about Unfriendly Fire. About how bad it is? About how bad it is. How (laughs) very bad the card is. So over the course of the limited portion of coverage this weekend, we saw Unfriendly Fire attempt 
to kill Sanctum Seeker, only to be blown out by Vampire Zeal. Uh, we saw an unfriendly fire kill a Blight Keeper because I just <laughs> had to kill that Blight Keeper, and this is the removal spell I had. And then, oh my god, we finally saw unfriendly fire actually trade with something relevant, a Suncrowned Hunters, but it still had to deal the, <laughs> the player three damage off the Enraged Trigger. Unfriendly fire cannot do anything good in this format you are never trading up on mana like even when it like just trading one mana up for sun crown hunters and you're still doing yourself three damage it's just not doing the things that you think it can in this format and the times that you are killing like killing your opponent because it's a lava axe or it kills you because it's a lava axe you're going to remember the remember those moments but they are few and far between and this card is not powerful the five drop slot in this format is very very full and you can do a lot better yeah, I mean, I think it's fine as a one-of in an aggressive deck, but you're certainly not picking it highly. Just Unfriendly Fire is like like a girlfriend who doesn't deserve you, a boyfriend who doesn't deserve you. You can do better. <laughs> I you agree. guys can do better, okay? <laughs> I love it. Unfriendly Fire aside, I'm not looking at Burning Sun's Avatar and going, well, I gotta take another red card. I'm just looking at what's the best card in this pack. Now, I think I would probably just take Pious Interdiction out of this pack. I think this is a strong pack strongish pack uh overall i think i would take pious interdiction i think it's the best card in a vacuum like if this, if this was my pack one pick one but that ranging raptors gives me a little spice gives me a little i have a little like tingling in the back of my head because i'm like <laughs> well i've got this burning sun's avatar i've got this ranging raptors it can help me ramp it can help me fix maybe i should take that but i think i would probably be a little scared and just grab pious interdiction here I think that's what I would be on as well, Pious Interdiction. Ken is feeling that same tingling you were feeling, and he grabs <laughs> Arranging Raptors here. Yeah. All right. Pack one, pick three. He sees Sky March Bloodletter, a Fiery Cannonade. That's two and a red for the instant deal two damage to all non-pirate creatures, the pirate pirate clasm, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, another Pious Interdiction and another Sailor of Means here. Yeah, I mean, I think if I had gone Interdiction last pack, I'd grab Interdiction again here. The Sky March Bloodletter is maybe kind of a signal here to me that the bloodletter plus the interdiction gives me a little hint that vampires might be open this direction. So I think if I had gone Burning Suns in an interdiction, I would grab interdiction. If I'm Ken here and I'm on Burning Suns Ranging Raptors, you know, I might still go interdiction. Like if I'm thinking about splashing around or thinking about going a, a dinosaur deck, interdiction is not difficult to splash in that deck. And Green Red does sort of have trouble with catch-all removal, right? It's got some some savage stomps so so depending on how your creatures match up with your opponent's creatures you might be able to kill their best thing on the board but pious interdiction is i think a really nice one of in those kinds of decks right all of red and green's removal is damage based whereas mm-hmm. pious interdiction doesn't care about that i i agree with you i think i would be on pious interdiction here as well ken feeling a very spicy mm-hmm. goes with sailor of means so here is something i like about this pick is that i don't understand it but it shows someone who has an opinion about this format yes i think so right like and so we should say some stats ken yukihiro got the nickname from rich hagan over the weekend i think he was calling him mr 67 percent because he has a 67 percent win rate in all of limited in all of his pt appearances wow that's impressive the man knows what he's doing so i'm not looking at this draft going wow what a train wreck i'm going at i'm looking at this draft because he's taking cards that i think most people would value over or 
under the cards that he's passing, right? He's passed two pious interdictions. He clearly doesn't think that card is very good. And though it has dropped in my estimation over the past few weeks, I'm still not perhaps as low on it as he is. He's showing a preference for something else. He's showing a preference for flexibility. He's got a bomb out of his first pick, and he's got a ranging raptors and a sailor of means to allow him to cast that bomb. And I think that shows someone who at least has an opinion and a direction in this draft. And I like that. Yeah. All right, moving on to pack one, pick four here. We see Desperate Castaways. That's one and a black for the 2-3 pirate that can't attack unless you control an artifact. Blech. We see another, <laughs> we see another Herald of Secret Streams. Jade Guardian, three and a green for the 2-2 Merfolk with Hexproof that puts a plus one, plus one counter on another target Merfolk when it comes into play. And a Shaper Apprentice, the one and a blue for the 2-1 Merfolk that gets flying when you control another Merfolk. Yeah, this pack is less spicy, unfortunately for Ken and unfortunately for us. Why did you blech at Desperate Castaway? <laughs> the card is miserable. Ooh, I like that card. Do you really? Yeah, I like it because it's it just like blocks so much. Like it, it scales. Like what we talked about a couple weeks ago, that it's a format of two twos and three threes. Like a two three for two. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting in my deck, obviously, if I don't have pi- Pirate's Cutlass or, or, you know, a handful of ways to allow me to attack with it on turn three. But most of the time, I'm pretty happy having this in a, in a more controlling blue-black deck because a 2-3 is tough to attack into. This is where you've done, like, double the number of drafts yeah. I've ha- I have yeah. because I haven't moved into that phase yet. I haven't, like, totally embraced the Dirtle yet, mm. and, it, and it seems like you're getting there. Yeah, I, I want to talk about it a bit at the end because the breaking out and embracing the Dirtle has really helped me pass a, a hump that I, I felt like I was feeling in this format. But anyway, yeah. um, back to Ken's draft here. So he's gone red card, green card, blue card, and he is seeing a green card and two blue cards. Um, nothing that quite synergizes with the Herald here. And if he's on a more controlling plan, I don't think Jade Guardian fits that slot. Like if this was a, <clears throat> was a grazing whip tail, I might see taking it here because I think that slots in nicely to the four drop slot to be able to defend your late game or your, your early game to allow you to get to the late game. But with none of that here, I would just grab the two drop in Shaper Apprentice to follow up with the Sailor of Means I just picked up. Yeah, makes sense to me. Ken agrees and picks up Shaper Apprentice. Pack one, pick five, we see another headstrong brute. Spike-tailed Ceratops, four and a green for the 4-4 dinosaur that can block an additional creature. And another Sailor of Means here. Well, you gotta be thrilled if you're Ken Spice Yuga Hero to see another Sailor of Means here. <laughs> um, I actually, I'm gonna say, I have not hated Spike-tailed Ceratops for similar reasons of not hating other, like, cards that block well. The fact that it can block two things and it's a five mana four four and if it's a format of two twos and three threes maybe it can trade with two things if it's blocking it's not terrible you don't need to pick it this highly if you're looking to do some sort of more controlling treasure based splashing deck and uh, i think the sailor of means is really the bread and butter of these kinds of decks and not even saying that that's what he has to do like he could just be looking to go merfolk if he grabs sailor here he could looking be looking to go blue x like he's not really committed to anything ken agrees and picks up the Sailor of Means. Pack one, pick six. He sees Kumena's Speaker. That's the single green for the 1-1 one, one Merfolk. Uh, that gets plus one, plus one if you control another Merfolk or an island. Uh, Windstrider, that's four and a blue for the 3-3 three, three Merfolk with Flash Flying. Is that what that is? Yes, that is what that is. <laughs> I don't have a little brain fart there for a second. <laughs> uh, and Skittering Heartstopper, the single black for the 1-2 with a uh, single black activated ability to give it Death Touch. All right, so this is why I wanted to put this draft here. Just because, like, this is a fun look at navigating this draft. I mean, Ken's got 
Kamina Speaker sixth. He could be just green blue merfolk, right? Like Sailor of Means for blocking, Shaper of Prentice as an evasive threat, Kamina Speaker as a, a cheap, aggressive creature to drop a River Herald's Boon on or a One with the Wind. Ranging Raptors maybe even fits in there. Like, who needs the Burning Suns Avatar? Get it out of here, right? Yeah, I think he's drafted the seat really well so far. I don't know that a lot of people would have had the discipline to like move off of Burning Suns Avatar the way he has up yeah. to this point. And even then, though, his picks with the Sailor means maybe still giving him flexibility to cast the Burning Suns Avatar. We'll have to see. Yeah. So he he took the Kamenos speaker there, by he the way. He did. Yeah, yeah. Pack one, pick seven. We see another Sailor means Rootbound Crag. That's the red green dual land. Crash the ramparts. Two and a green for the instant. Plus three, plus three, and trample to your creature. And Jungle Delver, the single green 1-1 one, one Merfolk that has the activated ability 3 and a green to put it plus 1, plus 1 counter on it. While Rootbound Crag is kind of enticing, if I think I'm blue-green and I've got a couple things that make treasures, I've got a Ranging Raptors that can, you know, find me a land, I've got Burning Sun's Avatar, which is a powerful card I would like to play, like Rootbound Crag sort of helps mitigate that triple red splash if that's where I think I'm in the market for. But I have to think that if it's good enough to third pick, if it's good enough to fifth pick, it's got to be good enough for Ken to seventh pick a Sailor of Means here. He agrees, and he does slam that into his pile. Pick eight, he grabs up a Prosperous Pirates over a Blossom Dryad. Um, And yeah, you want to fill us in? I didn't have a chance to... This was the only one I didn't look at the rest of it. I think he drafted a pretty sweet control deck, right? A five-color control deck? Ken drafted a five-color control deck. And I have only recently been dipping my toe into this kind of a deck in the past week. Just because, again, I I was feeling a bit up against it. Like, God, do I just really have to keep picking these aggressive two drops, these enchantments that, that buff them? And that's not a deck that I feel good at playing i feel like my play skill and and my enjoyment of magic really comes from from grindier decks from games that go long like i had a deck earlier this week where i was rebuying uh entrancing melody with a a flipped conqueror's galleon like that's the kind of nonsense i want to be doing you know and (laughs) i was it was awesome and i was worried that i wouldn't be able to do that in this format and so i just sort of tried to like you know, I was thinking back to Nico Boney's article that on Channel Fireball about the blue-based, blue-white-based uh, five-color control decks with treasures and just, like, trying to see if those decks are viable. And I think I think they are. I think they're hard to get, and I think there's they're hard to get into because I think there's only a few cards that really give you the payoffs to do so. But Ken really navigated this draft super well. He must have done a ton of work on this format leading up to this to know that this was a viable deck to draft because you wouldn't have gleaned that from a lot of the other drafts that we saw and you wouldn't have gleaned that from a lot of what the coverage team was discussing over the weekend um it seemed like people just really thought of this as a a super aggro format um super tribal format like why would you ever be green black why would you ever be blue white those sorts of things and and ken really seemed to to go a, a very different direction he's left himself very open he's got a lot of blue treasure makers he's got a very powerful bomb and he ended up building a five color deck with burning sun's avatar settle the wreckage and just all the Ooh. treasure makers and new horizons you could dream of um he, his deck was not uh viewed on or his draft was not viewed on coverage but he did play against brad nelson in round one and the match was just a complete blowout featuring perhaps one of the grossest things i've seen in this format of him playing burning sun's avatar off of a new horizons and a treasure and (laughs) only to rebuy it with a storm sculptor the next turn and all brad nelson could do was laugh because it was just like ken yukihiro drafted cube while brad was trying to draft like magic 2015 or something you know yeah it's just like right. they were on two completely different playing fields 
That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Ben. You ready to hop back in the roundtable? Let's do it. Okay, so here we're going to check out uh, the other day one draft viewed draft from Yuki Matsumoto. So you're going to sit down and see a pack with Ranging Raptors. River Herald's Boon, one and a green for the instant. Put a plus one plus one counter on a creature you control, and then put a plus one plus one counter on up to one uh, Merfolk you control. Uh, Stormfleet Aerialist, this is uh, one and a blue for the one two pirate with raid and or has flying and raid put a plus plus one counter on it uh call to the feast dinner is ready two white black for the sorcery to put three one one life-linking vampire tokens into play and paladin of the bloodstained that's the three two vampire for three and a white that when it comes into play it makes a one one vampire token with lifelink yeah a lot of evenly power leveled cards here i don't Mm -hmm. think i'd be like super unhappy first picking any of these yeah River Herald's Boon, reasonable if you have a strong preference for Merfolk. Ranging mm-hmm. Raptors, a generically powerful card. Certainly uh, Ken, Ken Yukihiro seems to recognize the power of that card. I've been a little down on Ranging Raptors myself, mm-hmm. so I don't think I'd be looking to grab it here. Call to the Feast, not really where I want to start with the gold card when I've got other single-colored options, I think. Mm-hmm. Palin of the Bloodstain seems to be the weakest of the cards here to me. And I, I value two drops really highly in the format uh, based on our beard philosophy, so I, I think I would be going with Stormfleet Aerialist here. Yeah, I agree. But I also think this this pack is, like you said, a lot closer than perhaps we may have thought weeks ago at the start of the format. And I think a lot of this format comes down to preference as well, like what we saw Ken Yukihiro do. Seemed like he had a preference for something that didn't involve pious interdiction. And I don't think that's right or wrong, but that at least is going to play to his strengths as a drafter and a magic player. And I think that's really important uh, to think about because I think we get sort of cut caught up in in pick orders and and what's right or wrong to take in a draft and i think it's a a lot more fluid than perhaps we we give that credit for so uh, but i would agree with you i I like two drops here and i like blue and i like stormfleet aerialist so i'd be excited to grab that first here it's it's a good card that's going to go in any blue deck right that's going in your pirate deck that's going in your merfolk deck that's going in your blue white one with the wind deck it's just going to go in a lot of different uh decks for you in this format and and right. yuki matsumoto agrees and probably probably not like playing it on turn two that often unless you draft a hyper aggro deck but mm-hmm. can allow you to double spell like with two very relevant cards on turn four a lot of the time and also is a great target like i am never embarrassed to play this on turn two if i can maybe pick it up with a siren's ruse a couple turns later like attack with it as a one two siren's ruse draw a card and now it's a two three that sort of thing and that's that's a play that i've seen many many times in this format I also just want to make a, a note that all three of these drafters uh, that we've done so far, including this current one, they were all at the same table. So we're going to be seeing a lot of the same cards floating around. So you might be like, wow, this seems very familiar. And it should because they were in the same pot. <laughs> uh, so in, in pick two, after picking up the Stormfleet Aerialist, Yuki's looking at a Thundering Spineback, a Vanquish the Weak, a Pirate's Cutlass, Depths of Desire, that's the bounce spell that makes a treasure, Tillanali's Knight, one in a red for a 2-2 human knight that if you control another dinosaur when it attacks, it gets plus plus one and shapers of nature. Yeah, a lot of very good options here. I think having picked up Stormfleet Aerialist, it's a pirate. Pirate's Cutlass is going to be great in any deck. I think it's like clear head and shoulders, probably the most flexible card for sure. And close to the most powerful card, maybe shapers of nature is more powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think just the flexibility that Pirate's Cutlass offers up here, it puts it over the top. Yeah. And slight synergy with the aerialist can't hurt too, right? Nope. Uh, so 
Yuki, Ben, and Ethan, all in agreement. Stormfleet, Aerialist 1, Pirates, Cutlass 2. Uh, pack 3, Ruthless Knave, Pious Interdiction, Unfriendly Fire, and Vampire Zeal. That's the one white instant to give a creature plus 2 plus 2. And if it's a vampire, it gets first strike as well until end of turn. Yeah, um, more good options here. I think Pious Interdiction is clearly the best card out of those four, and I would be looking to snap it up here. Yeah, I totally agree. And this is just like... This feels like the beard approach right here. Like, he's gone... The first three picks, he's just taken what he feels, and I think what we also feel is the most powerful card out of each pack, regardless of color, regardless of how it's really matching up with his other picks. Uh, Just really trying to figure out what are the cards that are most powerful out of each pack, and leaving him open to figure out where are those cards going to slot in once I figure out what my open archetype is. But these are not archetype-specific cards that he has grabbed so far. No, and and could feel free to pick up cards of any other color to pair along with either of these two cards and abandon like one of the Aerialist or the Pious Interdiction. Exactly. So pick four, he's got a Skymarked Bloodletter, another Pious Interdiction, Fiery Cannonade, a Sure Strike, one in a red for the instant... Uh, target creature you control gets plus three plus oh and first strike until end of turn and deadeye tormentor that's two and a black for the two two pirate that has raid target player discards a card yeah continuing to have good options here i think reasonable picks all include like the sky march bloodletter the pious interdiction and the fiery cannonade i think those are the three best cards in the pack mm-hmm. i think the upside on fiery cannonades higher than sure strike and Deadeye Tormentor is certainly a notch below Sky March Bloodletter in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be trying to decide between Bloodletter, Interdiction, and Cannonade. Um, I think already having an Interdiction would make me lean slightly towards taking another Interdiction here. Mm-hmm. But I, I could see an argument for Bloodletter or Cannonade. Yeah, again, again, like... I mean, these are the exact packs that uh, Ken Yukihiro was was passing. So, again, I think if if I were Ken, I would have grabbed Interdiction, Interdiction. And if I were Yuki, I think I would be on Interdiction into Interdiction. He chooses to go Sky March Bloodletter here. And again, I don't see this pick and go, wow, that's wrong. I see this pick and I go, one, maybe he knows something I don't. Two, he probably thinks Bloodletter is a vampire signal and is valuing that over grabbing a second interdiction and staying open a bit longer he's trying to hone in on the open archetype is my best guess from why he's taking bloodletter here yeah i think it's certainly defensible and he's taking sky march bloodletter i think leaves him more flexible than taking a second pious interdiction isn't that crazy because then he can go well i know i'm playing cutlass in all of my decks and then i either have two good flyers in a blue black deck i have a good flyer and a good removal spell in a blue white deck or i have a good removal spell and a good vampire for potentially a good white black vampire deck yeah got outs to be any combination of esper really good options here yeah so he he moves on to pack five where he sees our boy herald of secret streams jade guardian Stormfleet pyromancer raptor companion and blech desperate castaways <laughs> card is awful (laughs) feels so bad um i'm not into the blocking stage of the format yet myself Uh, um i'm I'm missing out i know i i plan to as soon as this week is over i'm gonna be drafting the heck out of this drafting and blocking i have one more week before i'm gonna be loose in two in two weeks ben and i are gonna do a podcast and the b and beard is gonna stand for blocking (laughs) i can't wait um so yuki here has like less exciting options i think uh his draft started out like super super promising there's not a, a clear pick to me here mm-hmm. i think the most powerful card out of these is probably herald of secret streams jade guardian 
could be like a minor signal that Merfolk's open. Seeing that with the Herald, mm-hmm. Stormfleet Pyromancer is like a fine card in any combination of pirates. I don't really love any of his options here, and I, I would have started this draft off very similarly to him. I think I might take, I don't know, Raptor Companion, maybe? Maybe Herald of Secret Streams? I don't, I don't have a strong feeling here one way or the other. I think if I was on Interdiction, Interdiction, I would have gone Raptor Companion and felt pretty bad about it. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's pick five. Like, it's not great, but I would like to play the two Interdictions. The thing that I am now realizing, so Yuki took Herald of Secret Streams here, and the thing that I'm realizing is a, a few things. One, that this pack is very weak. Um, I think a lot of people like Jade Guardian a lot, but that may be the only card that is is perhaps a notch above the rest here. But even Jade Guardian, I think, is a lot narrower than most people seem to think. Herald of Secret Streams kind of keeps him open here in a very strange way, because one, it might be a merfolk signal, like seeing that in the Jade Guardian might be a merfolk signal, but it also kind of matches up, one, with his aerialist that might have a counter, but two, with the, like, various you know, paths of Esper colors he might be, all of those cards have explore creatures at common and uncommon. And I think we may get stuck on Herald of Secret Streams with like River Herald's Boon counters, but there's a lot of explore creatures that can get counters in the format too. He's already got a creature that has raid trigger to get a counter on it and get a few of those siren lookouts and and maybe Herald of Secret Streams gets turned on here. I, I don't hate this pick looking at it now. Yeah. That's a, a fine pick, certainly defensible. Um, so he's moving on to pack six. He sees a headstrong brute, a spike-tailed ceratops, a stormfleet pyromancer, and sheltering light. Again, not like great news considering how his draft has started in the Esper Shard. No, no strong cards here uh, in the Esper colors, and I, I don't value sheltering light very highly, mm-hmm. as we discussed earlier. Uh, I think I would be on headstrong brute here as the best of these four options. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he agrees and grabs that. Moves on to pick seven. He got got a makeshift munitions. That's one on a red for the enchantment that has pay one mana, sacrifice an artifact or creature you control to deal a damage to target creature or player, a skittering heartstopper, and a windstrider. I do like the makeshift munitions hijack deck, but I don't know that I'd be brave enough to do that at the Pro Tour. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think I would be taking windstrider here as a good blue card. Yeah, for sure. And and he agrees. Now, the rest of this pack, I think, is pretty interesting. So if we look back on what Yuki has drafted here, he's got no real direction in terms of um, an, an archetype or a, a tribe, but he's got a lot of, of feelers out, which I like a lot. I think that's a really fine place to be in this format. And a lot of pros that we saw at least did not take that route they sort of grabbed a rare and and tried to hold on for dear life and hope the draft would accommodate them so yuki's got what do we what do we see we've got three blue cards with aerialist herald and windstrider we've got one black card with skymarch bloodletter one white card with interdiction one red card with headstrong brute and one pirate's cutlass so probably hopes he's blue because three of his cards are blue but Otherwise, he could do anything, right? And he goes Blightkeeper, Blightkeeper, Swashbuckling, Suncrowned Hunters, Sure Strike, and ends the pack with a favorable wins. Yeah, and I was I was watching this draft with you. This was when you were doing your casual commentary, uh-huh. and I was stopping by for lunch. So I was watching this on Friday, and like a lot of people were saying that this was a train wreck, and I don't think it was. I no. think this pack, I think this pack one is a mark of somebody that knows how to draft this format. Like he he left himself with the with the wheel there. He left himself out to very very good decks 
at the end of pack one. Like, he didn't know what he was going to do still, even at the end of pack one. He could have been the full Calcano with the Blight Keepers and the Swashbuckling uh-huh. and been an aggressive, like, enhancement-based deck. He had outs to be blue-black favorable wins, which I think is a very good archetype when it comes together because of the two Blight Keepers and he had a couple other blue flyers. Uh-huh. And he, he also could have still just been, like, blue-white with a Pirate's Cutlass or blue-red yeah. with a Headstrong Brute. He had options to go in so many different directions that all would have led to good decks. I... 100% agree, and I don't know what the coverage team said about this draft, but I don't know if it was as positive, because I think from someone who hasn't drafted this format a ton, and has only heard, like, well, it's hyper-aggressive, it's very um, tribal-based, so that's where you want to be. You want to find the Merfolk deck, the Dino deck, the Pirate deck. Like, this does look like a train wreck, but if you know what's going on in this format, and you, of course, a listener of Lords of Limited, know <laughs> what's going on in this format... You know that this is someone who who has drafted this a lot and knows what they're doing and is trying to stay open and figure things out because no deck has presented itself to him. So he's just going into pack two saying, I'm going to see what comes and I have feelers out to do a lot. And the first two picks, basically, of his next pack decided his direction. He opened River's Rebuke uh, as his pack two pick one. And that's one of the most powerful cards in the format. That's four blue blue for the sorcery to return all non-land permanents that target player controls to their owner's hand. So effectively a one-sided board wipe. Uh, he did have a Pirate's Callus in that pack, but, you know, he's already solidly blue, at least, of, of, of all of his colors. And River's Rebuke is great there. And then he gets past a Dire Fleet Ravager in a pack. So Dire Fleet Ravager is a... Three black black for the 4-4 orc pirate with menace and death touch. When it enters the battlefield, you deal damage to each player, or each player loses a third of their life total rounded up, right? Yeah. That card is really powerful. Um, It seems like it's a little situational, but it's just very strong. And especially a 5-mana 4-4 menace death touch is really tough to deal with and, and takes care of a lot. In a pretty powerful pack, you got a Fathom Fleet Firebrand, the one in a red 2-2 pirate with smoke breathing, patent pending. Uh... <laughs> A lightning rig crew that's two in a red for the 05 uh, pirate that pings players and then untaps when you play pirates and run aground three in a blue for the put a artifact or creature on top of a player's library at instant speed uh, so uh, some good powerful blue and red stuff as well in this pack but he grabs the ravager and that leads me to believe he's sticking to blue black and that is where he ended up he ended up drafting a, a really nice low-to-the-ground, tempo-based blue-black deck with some powerful spells that he picked up at the top of this pack, and he did 3-0 this draft. And I thought this was a really masterfully navigated draft by this this Magic player. Yeah, because it was not... Uh, he didn't have an obvious tribe in his seat, but mm-hmm. he he knew how to draft the format and drafted a good deck anyway. Yeah. It's certainly possible to draft great decks in the format that are not merfolk, pirates, whatever, dinosaurs or yeah. vampires. Yeah. No, just say whatever. You don't need to say dinosaurs. Just say whatever. Because dinosaur sucks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are you ready to take a seat? We've got our last draft here to go through. Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to try to not butcher his name here. This is Guillaume Matignon. How did I do? I think that's a 10 out of 10. That is correct. <laughs> I even I even tried to give a little... little it's French, right? A little, a little French, French flair. There. Oh, my God. And he knows the country of origin. Didn't even <laughs> need to ask for it in a sentence. Amazing. So he sees this. Pack one. Pick one. Called the feast. One with the wind. Pious Interdiction, Skull Duggery, Tillinolly's Knight, one in a red for the 2 2, uh, that gets plus one plus one when it attacks if you control another dinosaur, and a Rip Jaw Raptor. That's the two green green for the 4 5 dinosaur with the enrage trigger of when it, uh, when it takes damage. You draw a card. Yeah. So 
this was during coverage they were doing this not like on the the fly like seeing the player thumb through the cards pack by pack but they had it up on the screen maria was going over it they were all all the news desk folks were gathered around to look through his his picks and the look on their faces when guillaume matignon took one with the wind over ripjaw raptor in this pack was priceless it was just like no one knew what beard was now ripjaw raptor (laughs) i think is a very powerful card and i would take ripjaw raptor here but I was not shocked when Guillaume took one with the wind over it. Like, Ryan Sachs would take one with the wind over it. He would. I I saw his Twitter post. Yeah. He's done it before. He posted this before on an SCG article, I think. Like, one with the wind over Ripjaw Raptor is not insane. I think it just shows a preference. I think it shows, like, this is what I would rather be doing in this format. I don't want to take this dinosaur. I think either pick is defensible. I would be on Ripjaw Raptor personally, but I can't fault anyone for taking one with the wind here. Yeah, I would also be on Ripjaw Raptor over One with the Wind, but it's very close for me. It's mm-hmm. very close. One with the Wind's a great card. Yeah. Wins games. Next, pack one, pick two, he sees Jade Guardian. And he said in that draft viewer, like, uh, he, he has a strong preference for Merfolk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's why he picked One with the Wind there. He was talking to Maria. So he, they did, like, a draft thing. He said not, not only does he have a pre- preference for Merfolk, but he did not, he doesn't have a lot of time to play. Like, he hasn't played a Pro Tour in, like, six years or something. So... He was like, I can't play a lot. I can't invest a lot of time in testing. I know Merfolk is one of the most powerful cards, powerful decks in this format. So I'm just going to try and grab cards that go in that deck and pray that it's open. Well, but he but he also listed that one one with the win was great in like blue, blue, black and red, blue mm-hmm. and goes in blue, white. If you end up there, he, he listed that the card was flexible. He knew why it was good. Yeah. All right. So pack one, pick two. He sees Jade Guardian, Mark of the Vampire, a Water Trap Weaver and Paladin of the Bloodstained. So this is one of the only picks that, that sort of confuses me because to me, if I take one with wind first, this is a pretty clear water trap weaver. It's again, a, a flexible card. It matches up well with my first pick. I can now play one with wind and water trap weaver in any deck, any deck that has blue cards. I'm playing both of these cards in. If it's merfolk, great. That's a nice bonus, but I'm playing them in blue, white and blue, black and in blue, red. Um, so I would be on water trap weaver here. I would also be on Water Trap Weaver here. Guillaume goes with Jade Guardian uh, and was citing in his thing with Maria, Maria that, you know, he valued the the Wombo combo there with Jade Guardian and mm-hmm. one with the win pretty highly. Yeah, that to, makes to sense. To steal some free wins. Pack one, pick three. He sees Tempest Caller, two blue-blue for the 2-3 Merfolk that when it enters the battlefield, you tap your opponent's team down. Stormfleet Pyromancer, Depths of Desire, the two and a blue bounce spell make a treasure and a dark nourishment four and a black for the instant speed deal three damage target creature or player and you gain three life now if he's trying to go hard merfolk here i would think he would grab tempest caller now if i'm me in this seat and i'm going well i guess i would go ripjaw raptor water trap weaver would have been my order but if i'm going ripjaw raptor water trap weaver i think i'm on depths of desire here just again for pure flexibility like what we talked about in beard i want to be looking at these first few picks just taking cards that are flexible that are going to go in any deck that are not perhaps archetype specific i'm not seeing any huge archetype payoffs in this pack and i don't i like tempest caller a lot but i this is one of the cards that is higher for a lot of people than me so i don't often have the chance to pick it up and put it in my deck when i want to yeah guillaume agrees with you he picks up 
depths of desire here and i think that's what i would do also mm-hmm. um so all, all three uh, three of us in agreement there on that pick surprising that given his strong preference for merfolk that he didn't didn't want tempest yeah, caller it, there, it is but... confusing he does also i think he passes it up maybe not again in this pack but again in in the second pack he passes up a tempest caller for something that that surprises me again um he just seems to not perhaps value that card as as much as most players do which i think is totally fine yeah pack one pick four he sees the following cards chart a course that's one in a blue for the draw two cards and if you uh no draw two cards discard a cards and if you triggered raid you wait (laughs) (laughs) owned i know what the card does but i don't know how to explain it it's Uh, what so it's so it's draw two cards discard discard a card but if if you raid you... you don't have to discard a card exactly okay (laughs) do you want to just pull out the text of the card (laughs) no that's what it is though right that is what it is is that what it actually says it can't be you have to leave all of this in in the episode (laughs) no i'm absolutely not leaving this this is so good can you at least put it at the end uh sure little blooper just just to make you happy okay blue uncommons charter course <laughs> it says draw two cards then discard a card unless you attacked with a creature this turn doesn't have the word raid on it that makes no. me mad that's much cleaner but then that's like way easier all right Ugh. that's way more obvious all right so uh chart of course know what that does now if you didn't already. <laughs> i'm crying right now oh god <laughs> okay <clears throat> dead eye tracker that's the single black for the one one something vampire, I think maybe that has the activated ability one and a black tap uh, to exile two cards from your opponent's graveyard and explore. Yeah, it's a human pirate. Human pirate, not a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> no, this is great. I feel like we, this is now a chance for us to say to the listeners. So for our show notes, we don't look at the cards. <laughs> we just write the names and like then put in bold what the person picked when we do these uh, like roundtable discussions so we're just saying what the card does from memory which is probably apparent by the amount of word burgers we have <laughs> but it's got to be at least somewhat impressive you tried doing it i'm just saying oh my lord all okay. right <laughs> next up we've got mark of the vampire three in a black i'm sweating now profusely <laughs> <laughs> three in a black for the enchantment uh plus two plus two and lifelink to your creature prosperous pirates and a river herald's boon yeah, well, I mean, we all know what Guillaume is taking. He sees a card that has the word merfolk on it, and he's going to put it in his pile, I would assume. One with the wind, Jade Guardian, Depth of Desire, and now he's got a River Herald's Boon. I think if it were me and I went Ripjaw Raptor, Water Trap Weaver, Depths of Desire, I would probably be still on one of the two blue cards, Prosperous Pirates or Charter Course, and I'd probably come down on Charter Course. Yeah, I think it's the stronger of the two. Yeah. But I might also, this is around the time where I consider River Herald's Boon a signal that Merfolk might be open, and I already have a green card that's fine in a non-Merfolk deck, and a Water Trap Weaver, which is a Merfolk. So I think even if you're navigating this draft in the quote-unquote, I don't know, unbiased way or whatever, that River Herald's Boon is probably close to, if not the right pick here. Yeah, I, I could certainly see an argument for that. I think I would actually be on River Herald's Boon here myself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. All right, pack one, pick five. He sees another chart, of course. We know what that does now. What does that card do? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I just wanted to to hear you do it again. Do you want to hear me do it again? Yeah. It's a one and a blue. Sorcery. Draw two cards. Then if you attacked with... No. I messed it up. (laughs) We got him. Draw two cards. Then if you didn't attack with a creature this turn, discard a card. That's the most unintuitive way to word that possible. Yeah, it's not great. All right, dive down. 
uh single blue have we seen that yet we haven't we have dive down our boy single blue for an instant target creature gets plus plus three and gains hexproof a grazing whiptail a frenzied raptor and a storm sculptor yeah now he can probably grab tartacorse though i think there's something to be said about grabbing dive down with already having a one with the wind i don't know what we think the metagame at the pro tour is in terms of like how late dive down goes it goes very very late in the intermediate queues on magic online and i think having watched some of a dude's stream goes kind of late in the um competitive queues as well so it could conceivably go later than fifth pick here in which case i would be on grabbing a charter course over it at this point in the draft yeah, and this draft kind of wraps up. He doesn't see much the rest of pack one. He grabs uh, a cancel, a jade guardian, a jungle delver, like then misses a few times, then grabs a couple late storm sculptors. So it doesn't have like great merfolk cards the rest of the pack. Mm-hmm. And this, the second pack, he did not see much at all. But I no. think he had kind of decided at that point that he was going to draft merfolk come what may. Mm-hmm. Um, and then got super rewarded with the hookup in pack three. He, he got a uh, shapers of nature the uncommon the vine shaper mystic the one that puts two plus one plus one counters on merfolk when it enters the battlefield and a Kamena speaker so three of the premium uncommons for merfolk there got opened and passed to him in pack three yeah and he did end up three owing he was one of i believe was he all right so i know he three owed did was he one of the no he was not one of the six players that three owed both pods but he did three oh with this draft yeah really really powerful deck and i think that sort of shows there's a lot of ways you can approach this format. Like you can stay super open and try and figure things out. You can just sort of plant a flag and sometimes that works out for you. You can also sometimes plant a flag when you first pick Maverin fine and get kind of a train wreck draft. So yep. it's a bit of a roll of the dice when you do that sort of thing. Um, but really interesting stuff out of the weekend. I think a wide range of experience and expertise shown by these pros with this format that i think a lot of people have written off as being a bad format or being a low skill intensive format which i don't think is true no i think the draft portion especially is now maybe there's like i mean and then draft portion is high variance sometimes too and the games mm-hmm. certainly are sometimes but i think this draft format is hard yeah um like the drafting portion i think it's very skill intensive and rewards good drafting and it challenges a lot of the common tropes about drafting that are perhaps not rewarded or true in this particular format which i think a lot of people are maybe just revolting against rather than trying to adapt to right and i think that's why you and i had such a rough time at the start of the format yeah and i I think that and that's why i my change like what what did i say a few weeks ago like my first 50 draft i had had 58 percent win rate and that is a, a lot different for the latter half of my drafts like I think the growth that you can experience in this format, and I am living proof of that, just shows that this is not just like, you're not just like rolling the dice here. You're not flipping coins to decide who wins matches or like, it's not, oh, if Merfolk is open, then you have a good deck. And if it's not, you have a bad deck. It really rewards being super on point and super aware of what's happening in your draft in particular and figuring out how those cards and your preferences line up for a good deck. Yep. And I think that's like a big thing that Ryan Zach preaches. Like yeah. That, you know, and he, he's helped us figure out this format a lot that, you know, sometimes what you prefer is better for you than the quote unquote correct pick. Yeah. And that's something that I've started to embrace a lot in the in the past week. And, and it's really made me enjoy playing this game a lot more. And that's at the end of the day, really the most important thing, because it's a game and I'm, I'm not trying to be a professional player in any sense. I'm just doing this as a really obsessive hobby, but it is just, <laughs> it's just a hobby at the end of the day. 
Well, and you've got to win enough to like keep drafting for free or relatively close to free. Right, right? so that I can keep streaming, but... Yeah, you got to keep that in mind. Got to keep that in mind, for sure. All right, well, that was super fun. I'm, I'm really glad we got to do that. Yeah, we, we also should shout out uh, Ahead Dude, yes. uh, another person that, that helped us learn this format. He wrote a fantastic article that he posted in the LR subreddit. Yeah, um, we should go ahead and, and link that in the show notes, maybe. He, he did give us permission to do that, and I would love to be able to, to get that article out in into more people's hands because it's just sort of going to give you a different approach, but I think going to back up a lot of what the Beard episode talked about a, a couple weeks ago in terms of, of pick orders and, and draft evaluations and that sort of thing. But really nice to see that all in writing from someone who is literally at the top of the leaderboard of the trophies for the competitive draft queues. Yeah, man, if you have not checked out his stream, you need to go check it out. He's a very good drafter, and he always explains why he's doing this or that and mm-hmm. answers questions. He's he's great. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Absolutely. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Um, and a reminder, we've still got our XLN treasure hunt going on. Uh, so if you've got screenshots of those achievements, you can tweet at us with the hashtag XLN treasure hunt, or if you're not on the Twitters, email us at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Yeah. If you complete five of those, you get entered into a giveaway for, uh, we're going to give away four total draft sets of Ixalan. Um, for every one that you accomplish as a listener base, we will do a combined Lords of Limited stream for that amount of hours. We are up to a 16 hour stream, only a couple more trophies to unlock there a couple more achievements to unlock there um if you would like to get in touch with us individually you can find us on twitch and twitter ben is hopefully going to be coming out of the woodwork here to start streaming a bit more after this next week can the people yes. see some more mr metronome the people will see more mr metronome after this week Excellent. i'm gonna be at school till like 10 o'clock every night this week helping kids record auditions but oh after gosh. that freedom amazing so you can see us on i am at twitch.tv slash lord tupperware ben is at twitch.tv slash mr metronome um we are both on twitter at those same names i have a youtube channel youtube.com slash c slash lord tupperware i took a page out of our last week episode doing some like deep dives on in-game play and i took a really interesting game that i played in a match and i went back and replayed that that game and recorded like a 15 minute video and posted that on youtube of me talking through my thought process talking about some plays i made that i thought were terrible some plays my opponent made that i thought were not optimal and and looking at the the ways that i was able to navigate the game and i think i'm looking forward to doing more of those in the future Ooh, that sounds awesome yeah yeah very very cool also i just wanted to give a quite thing uh, uh, a quick thing because people have been reaching out to us via email or uh, via my stream that, that they're interested in in giving back to the podcast monetarily which is amazing we're really appreciative of that and currently we don't have a patreon set up so the best way to do that is to either donate through my stream or Ben's stream and we both have links uh, to PayPal accounts on that uh, website so on, on twitch.tv slash either of our respective names that's that's the best way to do that now but I believe a patreon is soon to be coming down the pipeline. Yep. If you've got any feedback about the show or questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Yep. Thanks, everybody. See you later.